Welcome to another edition of The Bones of Advertising. I'm Craig McLeod and you are? I'm John Douglas, at your Welcome. service. Welcome, JD. Lovely having you at our service one more time. Now, I'm going to kick off just with a quick question. Coffee count, what's the number? 16. Wow, that's good. So what are we up? Eight, seven or eight? Yeah, I had a, I've had a few this week. I've had um, five or six. Actually, it might be 17. Very I've had... Um, been very, uh, I've been very good. I, I, I only missed kind of in my working week. I only missed one day. Right. So I've just been, uh, I've been, uh, I've been reaching out and, um, and you know, spreading the love. That's what I like to call it. Just uh, touching, touching base with people. You know, there's a, there's a, there's some people kind of doing it a bit tough, and it's you know, it's nice to share a smile. So. Yeah, Colgate style, share a smile. <laughs> Indeed. So what's our bone for today, JD? What are we going to pick the bones off? What are we going to pick today? I would like to chew over the idea that if you don't want margin, you don't need marketing. Wow. I'd like to talk, I would very much like to talk about the relationship. This is a big bone. I'd like to talk about the relationship between sales and marketing. Right. Because so in business, especially in times like this, Sales kind of has that big, oh, we've got to make sales, we've got to make sales, we've got to make sales. But marketing has a very real function of, uh, A, being able to understand what the, what the big motivators are and how to make making a sale easier, like to prepare the ground for the salespeople, but also to make sure that the long-term effects of sell, sell, sell now don't impact the brand long-term and you don't end up with a dog in a year's time. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you think a lot of salespeople right now are feeling very desperate and sort of still getting the pressure on the numbers right now? I, I think I absolutely think so. I think there will be a lot of businesses that feel the financial pressure to just go and sell. Like, so they will assume that more sales equals more profit and therefore more profit equals more revenue and therefore the business can get back on its feet. And, you know, I think the, I think the, I always go back to that lovely story of how do you make a, how do you make a million dollars selling $3 apples for $2? The answer is. I'm not aware of this story. Yeah. The answer is simple. You start with twenty million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you don't. You don't want to. You don't want to sell something for more than it costs to make it. So, I'd be. I'm just. A, I'm just aware that there are a lot of people who who will want to be. Who want to see. Who will see that the path to uh, more sales is reduce the price. And if you reduce the price, you reduce the margin. And if you reduce the margin, you don't have a profitable business. Uh, things that marketers need to keep in mind, advertisers need to keep in mind that will make the sales process easier and help them win friends with the sales function, with the sales team. As long as the sales team understand that what the advertising people are trying to do is actually maintain a long-term help of a brand or a product or a business or a service or whatever. But you, you have, um, you've got 
a big background in sales and I'm actually hoping to pick your brain. Let me, as I pick this bone, let me pick your brain. Bring it. Bring it. So how do you, like what are the, what are the big, when you, when you used to go and do, you know, selling and, you know, my understanding is it's not selling, it's helping them buy rather than trying to sell at them. But what was the, did you have a process that you used to, that you would go through or is there, is there a, are there kind of little golden rules that you would follow? Look, I think with selling, the thing people really need to understand is that, yes, they'll buy the product or the service, but they're also going to buy the person that's selling whatever it is that's being sold as well. If you can't establish a good relationship and understand boundaries, like particularly in this time, you're going to find it very, very difficult to win someone over, to make them believe that you can deliver what it is that you want. So... Early on in my career, I met a guy by the name of Jason Jennings, who was an absolute superstar back in the days when I was working in radio. And he talked about this thing called solution selling. And what that was about was really trying to understand your customers' needs. And you talk about this all the time, JD. Maybe even have a little bit of a competitive analysis under your belt when you talk to your prospective customer to know what their market is all about. Don't just go in there thinking that you have the oracle. You have the answer to all of their prayers and all of their problems. If you do some research and you know a little bit about their business and where there might be a pain point or something that you might be able to add that will assist them to be better. But also one of the things we try and do here in my business or in our business is really try and focus on a blending of business and creativity. Being in a position where you can understand the business drivers and the business goals, and then how to use creativity, ideas, ideation to help achieve those goals and make sure as well, going back to that point I was talking about before, where you base that concept or that point of creativity on data, facts and insights. Don't just go in there with a gut feel. Really try and be a bit more than just your gung-ho salesperson. And I also think it's really important for people to understand how often is too often to try and touch base with your prospect, to understand when is the time to say, we've spoken to them enough for this week or for this month. They've probably given us... again. It's me. <laughs> another salesperson that's emailing me. Is that another one saying, hey, remember that proposal we gave you? You've got to get to a point where you understand and you can read the room and say, you know what? If they're not going to respond to what we're putting out, it might be time to say we need to give them a break. And again, understanding that they've got a world out there that they need to consider as well. You know, we, we need to be a lot more cognizant of what goes on in our buyer's mind. You know, lots of things to consider there, JD. Oh, no, absolutely. I really love that idea of don't go in with a, don't go in on a gut feeling. You know, there's, there's a thousand sales that have gone wrong because someone had a dodgy pizza the night before. Like it's a, sorry, it's a very, very mangled metaphor. I've got no idea where that one was going. But this idea, this idea of like going with, going with data, going with an understanding of their issues, going with an understanding of the market and going with an understanding of how their, like what are their customers? What are the, what are the, Customers, your customers' customers, the end user, what are their problems? How are you helping make your customer 
the hero for their customer. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, we're, we, we get so caught up in, I want to sell, I need you to sell, I need you to buy this because I need to make money that we forget it's, it's their money. You yeah. know, like we, our job should be to make their life better, not to make our life richer. Yeah. And I, and I, I think if we go in, if, if, if more businesses kind of thought like that, A, I think there would be more people, people in those businesses tend to make more money in the long term because they actually have their clients' best interests at heart, which I think we do when we go in and talk to, and talk to clients. But the, the, there is also that, like, I think business would actually be better. Like I know I'm being all kind of, you know, kumbaya and let's put our arms around each other, but I actually think that if we actually thought about the needs of the people we serve, I think we couldn't help but be more empathetic to their real needs and their real drivers and their real concerns. Absolutely. And like, one of the things I wanted to touch on, JD, in the research for our episode today, I was absolutely astounded to understand the percentage of sales and marketing functions within big business that don't communicate, that are misaligned, that don't have the same goals. But what about this one, JD? We're all about the data, and I'll come to a really important point in a second. But they're using different data to analyse the same market. How can that be possible? One of the great things I love about our workshops we do together that you run and you set up, but it's mandatory from your perspective for us to have both sales and marketing and business leadership in our workshops. Can you tell me why it's so important, JD? I think, um, I think the, the, uh, you see the, the movie Toy Story? Oh, sure. let, me, let me tell you a story. <laughs> I love it when, when, um, People suddenly come to the realization that that it's not it's not us against us. Yes, there's a budget, but it's not us. We shouldn't be fighting over the same budget. We should be using that budget to fight what's out there, yeah. you know. And it all comes together in that delightful. You've got a friend in me. Like, let's just when the road looks. Top ahead, and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. <laughs> you just remember what your old friend said. <laughs> just like we should be, we should all be on the same side. Yeah, right. <laughs> like so, that's why you. I like to get. I think we should get business leaders and salespeople and marketers in the same room, because at least then we can find a way of helping people understand. That the job is to is to find a short term answer to a long term need, and how do we put a whole lot of short term answers together, sales, yep. to create this long term need, which is margin and brand reputation? Because it's much easier to sell a Nike shoe than it is to sell a JD Classic. And trust me, I've tried to sell JD Classics. It doesn't work. Well, Phil did okay with the JD Classic, but that ended up being a very, very different brand, didn't it, out the back of his, uh, out the back of his car in Oregon? But, look, the yeah. JD may be not quite as good as the Phil Knight Express. No, 
no, I can I can pretty much guarantee that because largely because it was held together with bits of number eight fencing wire and glue. But um, but <laughs> like there, it's people buy Nike because of all of the brand associations that they put with it. Yep. But there is this sense of quality about it. There is this sense of I know what I'm getting. There is people find it much easier to buy a brand that has a, a reputation, a good reputation, and has this has a sense of quality about it. And that's the role of marketing. Yep. Like yeah. Phil, Knight, Phil Knight would still be selling stuff out of the boot of his car if he didn't try and build a quality story uh, around his shoes. And he did that very, very well, got the right people on board, did a magnificent job, was focused on growth, you know, all of those kind of business issues. Yeah. But sales and marketing, they come together. They do. They're very nice. They work well together. Also in the research, we both had a look at, um, you know, our very dear friend Ritson again talking about the decline of the marketer and in particular in this article that, that, that he wrote, um, he was really focused on the fact that marketing is not involved in so many of the decisions, one of which is price anymore. So, JD, how can that be possible? How can we have businesses of today that are no longer valuing marketing's input into price? I, I don't understand that. But obviously the data that he shared in his article are very important to, for our viewers to have a look at. But how can that be possible that we're not involved or these marketers are no longer involved in pricing decisions? Because I think marketing has devalued itself inside businesses. I think there are some businesses that do it very, very well. So, I mean, going back to going back to potty mouth Mark Ritson again, he he absolutely acknowledges that there are some businesses that do marketing and have a market orientation. So they're all about solving customer issues. So you look at Procter and Gamble. Um, uh, you know, Gillette, like there's some magnificent uh, marketers and, and whether you are signed up for the, uh, the you know, if you're a signed up member of the capitalist army and you, and you believe that, you know, marketing is a powerful good, then, you know, you absolutely acknowledge that. But I think, in, especially in Australia, I think a lot of businesses see marketing as the, you know, the people with pencils and crayons and colouring in. They see marketing as advertising. They conflate the two and it should be very, very different. And I'm, you know, I, I, I come at, the, at, the, at the, the problem from a customer point of view, so I'm kind of market-oriented anyway and I think that it actually comes back to my sales background. Yeah. I think because it's, because it's all about how do, I, how, do I, how do I help you, I need to understand you. If I need to understand you, I need to understand what are the things that drive you and how can I help you get over those things or how can my product help you get over those barriers. Yeah. But I, I, I think then that you need to start with what is, the, what is the core thing that is going to get the attention of the salespeople and the business leaders inside an organisation. And I think the easy way of doing that, the simple way of doing it is just to say, if you don't want margin, you don't need marketing. Yeah. Marketing, marketing is the thing that helps you build the value of a business and the value of a product in the hearts and minds of the of the people that are um, that, that you are that you are talking to. So absolutely, I think read the article and understand that marketing is so much more than colouring it. Yeah. You know? 
I think as well, people have got to start to realise that big organisations taking the full company on a retreat and believing that that's the way to blend sales and marketing, uh, those days are well and truly gone. If marketing and sales aren't connected on this journey, as you say, of margin or the search, that, that search for margin, then companies really are setting themselves up for failure. And that, that's not just our opinion. That's definitely the opinion of some pretty noteworthy people in our space, you know, notably Mark Ritson, as we talked about, but also LinkedIn talks very much about the disconnect between marketing and sales and the impact that that has on those businesses being able to be successful. You know, they talk about things just as simple as in sales, we call it a pipeline, but in marketing, we call it what? A funnel. (laughs) But it's like... uh, but the but a funnel is kind of it's like a pipeline, but the the ends are bigger. Yeah. Like I think it's <laughs> let's just get on the same page. Like get on the yeah. same page. Use the Speak same data. Speak the same language. If the sales are going to call it a pipeline, then call it a pipeline. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, and look at the market, which is your favourite thing, JD. When we actually look at the people we're trying to serve. Let's make sure we're looking at exactly the same data that represents them. But also, let's take it one step further and understand their ability to absorb those perpetual attacks from the sales team. Because there's also this situation that's happening where marketing's generating leads, but because the confidence is so far down in marketing, salespeople don't even follow up on all of the leads. Now, how can that be possible? And that's possible only because sales believe marketing is purely a colouring in function. Yeah. And also because the, the marketing message quite often isn't the message that the salespeople are following up with. Yeah. So I think, it, I think, I think that's, that's, a, that's one of the benefits of getting everyone in the same room at the same time is you actually, you actually talk about at the start, you talk about, well, what is the big promise we can make to our customers that's going to that's going to prepare the ground for our sales team to go in. But then once you do that, you really need to follow that up with a like you the once you've got it all mapped out and you understand exactly the promises and the messages that you are going to be making to the customer, you need to then get the salespeople and the business people back into the room again and you say, this is what we're going to say. And this is how it applies to what we said in the workshop that everyone agreed to. And if we say this and you come in and promise that, then we're more likely to get a sale over there. So I, I think it, it, you, you really need, like, yes, it can be a little bit, it can take a little bit longer and it means that the salespeople aren't just going out there and bloody, you know, selling all the time. It's straight away and the marketing people aren't immediately leaping onto the promise and a solution and you've got a really glossy beautiful buddy ad over here and you've got salespeople going yeah but don't worry about what they're saying here's what it's like no but aren't you the same people <laughs> yeah, exactly. come on i mean what you've got is the journey map jd you know like actually everyone getting on this sales journey this marketing journey and sales journey need to be blended because during the journey each person is involved in this process of trying to cultivate and foster the end goal which is the sales so coming back to that point of understanding how to blend business with creativity so important yep. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And you know, there's a whole lot of there's a whole lot of data out there that shows how a judicious mix of of communication that connects with the really big issues that are driving the market and the persuasive buy me, buy me communications, a judicious mix of both of those is going to be much more successful in the short term and in the long term. Salespeople need to understand how much you can devalue a brand or the promise or the proposition, no matter how much they might have loved it when they first saw it, if you can't stop yourself with the buy me, buy me, buy me, then you will put yourself in a position where that person will be alienated from the brand even if they loved it or wanted it. People can't yes. absorb that kind of berating, that perpetual bombardment. It turns people off. Yep. That was, I always loved that. Uh, one of the greatest sales lessons I ever learned was don't try and talk someone out of a sale. So at some point in the sales conversation, someone will buy it. You can see it. If you're face-to-face with them, you can see it. You will remember, you'll know exactly the point that I'm talking about. No. It's like, yeah, they bought this. And there's so many salespeople and, market, and, and marketers with this automated marketing that it's like they've got this message in their head and I've just got to say it because it's so good that you're going to want to hear it. And it's like, no, I bought you. We're done. And now you shut up. And so I'm not going to buy from you now because you're boring me, because you're wasting my attention. Yeah, well done, mate. Well said. And look, I think that's a, that's a great point. Beautiful. Another edition of The Bones Done, my friend. That's it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. You have a great week. And we will, uh, we will talk. Uh, we'll talk again, I'm sure.